0: You open up a manhole, at the bottom of which, you open up a womanhole, at the bottom of which, you open up a door that is actually a sandwich that you burned in your toaster oven last Wednesday. You take a bite out of that sandwich, and it tastes okay. It's only then you realize that it's not food in your mouth, but instead an actual witch made of sand, who has now sent you sideways into a half-dimensional plane for taking a bite out of her. The half-dimensional plane is one of those with no assigned seats, so you watch as half the passengers completely misinterpret the rules. You glance down at your clothing after you notice the stewardess give you an odd look. You found an unexpected stain on your third favorite sweater, and it came from the crepuscular light adjacency. I'm Luke Alexander, and I'll be guiding you through this alien realm. Some of the stories you hear will be long, some of them will be short, and all of them will be outlandishly bizarre, which, in the crepuscular light adjacency, means completely ordinary and unremarkable. Today, we'll be reading Chapter 2 of a story called "O to the Power of Four, subtitled, Otto Observes... Other omniverses. Let us begin. Sir Autosis' eyelids flapped open like birds on painkillers. He had awoken in a lukewarm sweat, a sweat not hot and a sweat not cold, but a sweat all the same. He had just had the strangest dream yet he had no recollection of what that dream was. He was filled with a strong shot of adrenaline that he quite enjoyed as he looked to his left. There, under a thick blanket of mystical-winged, one-eyed, bare fur, laid a beautiful, maiden-esque being. She was asleep. And though he could not remember if she was a lumber nympho or a mushroom fledgling or a shelvin wormlock or some other fantastical, nonsensical race of creature, he knew she smelled great. The light of the purple moon shining through his large bedroom window told him it was still night, but he could also hear a light groaning. Rutherford was hungry. Autosis wrapped himself in a thick robe of the fur of the unfathomable, fantastic beast that doesn't exist, and swung open the large some sort of fantasy tree that isn't oak doors out of his bedroom and into his luxurious, extravagant, dastardly hallway. Well, mainly, that was just how the small, pink, glowing, floating-with-useless wings, fairy-like creature that advised all of his design decisions felt about the wall-to-wall carpeting in Autosus's hallway. He could hear its voice now, which was not always a voice as much of a feeling communicated with language. It clashed with the rest of the castle and was generally distasteful. How Autosus could manage to bed lusty lumber nymphos and musky mushroom fledglings and sensual shelving wormlocks with such an appalling hallway, was a mystery. The fairy-like creature couldn't even recognize that no matter how distasteful the carpet, it was still in a castle. Luckily, that damn thing was asleep. As Atosis walked on his ugly carpet, he noticed the brisk approach of a phantom-like figure, As the figure grew closer, Autosis realized it was a man wrapped all in black, brandishing a twisted red dagger. He wore a red tragedy mask reminiscent of theatrical motif.
1: Autosis, your time has finally come!
0: Autosis sighed as the usurper thrust the dagger deep into his guts. He rolled his eyes. Did you really think that would work? The usurper looked up into Atozas' eyes, seeing only disdain. His teeth chattered, his body grew cold with fear. Atozas pulled the dagger out of his belly and tossed it aside. The dagger bounced around as if it was rubber accidentally knocking down an exquisite self-portrait Autosis had hanging on the adjacent wall, before hurling right back at the usurper and walloping him in the forehead. Ouchies! Autosis was disgusted. I'd kill you, but I don't want your blood on my carpet. The usurper's voice warbled a sad whine. Get out of here. The usurper scrambled to escape. He managed to slam into either side of the hallway over and over again, gaining momentum each time like a pinball. Eventually, he was gone, though presumably badly bruised. Autosis continued his walk down the hallway, stopping at golden double doors to his left. He pressed a button and they slid open, to reveal a stocky attendant dressed to the elevenths. The attendant had a thick, bushy mustache that only sort of distracted from the fact that he had the head of a fly.
1: Hey, us, what brings you to this fine elevator, this...
0: The fly-headed attendant checked his wristwatch.
1: Uh, morning?
0: Rutherford's hungry...
1: I see. Mm.
0: The fly-headed attendant pulled, turned, twisted, and fondled a superfluous amount of levers, dials, wheels, buttons, and switches, and the elevator began to descend. Its walls were beautiful stained glass, covered in artwork showing Atosis disemboweling enemies, performing emotional soliloquies, writing the fantasy bible, Painted blue, with eight arms, sitting on the toilet, making toast, bathing in the blood of his fallen comrades, and all manner of frivolous activities. As the elevator passed each floor of the castle, Autosis could see the faint outlines of his associates, hard at work scrubbing the fantasy worldwood floors, dusting fantasy countertops using a fantasy vacuum cleaning spell to summon a fantasy vacuum cleaner, washing the fantasy clothes with fantasy water and fantasy soap, and he could even see what he guessed to be two of his fantasy cooks, fulfilling some fantasies together on the gilded fantasy table. Ding. Autosis was shook from his musings as the elevator jerked to a halt at the basement floor of the castle,
1: "'Here we are. I hope Rutherford enjoys his snarky-wacky. What a chummy pal he is. mm
0: <laughs> Autosis made no eye contact with the fly-headed attendant as he walked out of the elevator and into a dark, cavernous expanse. He brandished a wooden rod that instantly lit with blue flame. After a few paces, Autosis turned to a pen, where a herd of large, purple, fluffy, 10 eyed fantasy cows were stiffly tipped over, fast asleep. Autosis opened the pen and tapped his rod lightly on a plump fantasy bovine, watching as the cow untipped itself by floating and rotating upright without moving its limbs at all. The cow's second set of ears, right at the top of its rump, fluttered, as the cow released a contented moo. Autosis stroked the cow's head and led it out of the pen. Autosis and the cow tread further and further through the cavern. Patches of moonlight through holes in the rocky ceiling grew wider and more frequent, and soon enough they were standing at the mouth of the cave, parallel to another, even more monstrous cave. There was a small patch of fuzzy fantasy grass padding their steps. Autosis patted the cow again, then took his wooden staff and rammed it into the ground three times. Ruthie, snack time. The ground shook and a deep rumbling echoed from inside the parallel doubly monstrous cave. Something was approaching and quick the fantasy cow was getting nervous. Booming footsteps grew louder and louder as two glowing red reptilian eyes lit up the darkness within the cave. With a few more steps, the imposing figure of Rutherford became clear. The gigantic, winged, dragon-esque lizard was a menacing dark green, dramatically plump, and easily 30, 40, maybe even 50 fantasy feet tall. Its head was that of a humongous bearded dragon. That is to say, not a generic dragon with a long human beard, but similar to that of the non-fantasy creature from Australia referred to as a bearded dragon. Usually, a normal-sized, non-fantasy lizard commonly kept as a house pet. That said, it also had thick black whiskers protruding from its face that weren't too far from that of a fantasy catfish. Rutherford's jaws swung open and his long black tongue shot out like a frog's, capturing the fluffy fantasy cow and drawing it down his gullet faster than Autosis could blink his fantasy eyes. Rutherford swallowed, paused, and produced a deep belch that echoed through the fantasy land and shook loose rocks from the mouths of both caves, bathing the large lizard and Autosis in sediment. Rutherford shook himself clean like a large, scaly dog. The cold demeanor Autosis had been wearing melted away. There you go, Ruthie. Are you doing better? Rutherford nodded, panting. He then gave Autosis a hearty lick that lifted him a couple feet off the ground and covered him in saliva. Autosis landed on his legs with a bend and a wobble. No, Ruthie. Suddenly, Rutherford began growling defensively in the tone he'd employed earlier that evening. What's wrong, buddy? Twang. An arrow sped through the air and grazed Autosis's left earlobe. What the? A cloaked woman jumped down from atop Rutherford's cave and landed right in front of him. She wore a bright blue mask with a jovial smile that implied comedy, not dissimilar in style to the red mask Autosis' earlier would be assassin had worn. Perhaps they were a team. If so, he had nothing to worry about. Autosis, prepare to meet your doom! Autosis braced himself for something... stupid. The woman produced a sock puppet with a skull painted on its face and talked in a cutesy voice.
1: "'Hello, Autosis! I'm your doom! It's
0: nice to meet you!' Autosis's eyes widened into unblinking stones. "'Stop it! This is ridiculous!'
1: Oh, am I autosis? Am I ridiculous? More ridiculous than having two gigantic caves facing each other? One of them harboring a herd of large, purple, fluffy, ten eyed fantasy cows, and the other harboring a gigantic, winged, dragon esque lizard with a head similar to that of the non fantasy creature from Australia referred to as a bearded dragon? <sighs> More ridiculous than a fly-headed elevator attendant and a stained-glass windows portraying you as a deity?
0: <laughs> More ridiculous than that gaudy carpet in your bedroom hallway? The usurper with the tragedy mask interjected from behind Autosis. Autosis backed up and froze. Don't insult my carpet. It's wonderful. Spectacular, even. The two masked attackers looked at each other dubiously. Autosis's doom puppet sensed a rich vein of insecurity.
1: I don't know about that, Autosis. It looked pretty bad to me.
0: That's it. Rutherford, two more snacks for you right here. Rutherford licked his lips. Wait, 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 wait. We're just trying to help you. The comedy masked woman flopped down the doom puppet. What? He stabbed me. I had to get your attention somehow. It's not like I could have killed you. I guess that's fair, but how could you help me anyway? Why would I need you idiots?
1: Because they can kill
0: you! The Doom Puppet pointed itself upward. Blotting the sky was a gang of armor-clad knights riding atop 12-legged, eagle-winged, dark-red fantasy weasels. Oh. Oh, dear. Autosis cut a hand over his mouth and shouted, What can you doofuses do anyway? A well-decorated knight lowered his twelve-legged, eagle-winged, dark-red fantasy weasel, so they were hovering just above Autosis and the tragedy-comedy duo.
1: I believe the plural form is...
0: doofy. Autosis leered the knight. What? What can you do-fi do anyway? I don't believe doofuses is a proper word. do Dufi isn't a word. do isn't the plural form of doofus. And even if it was, who cares? Well, to me... Tufuses is not the plural form of Dufus. It is Dufi. That is. Do we understand each other? Not at all. Exactly. And now you see why we must destroy you. autosis <laughs> No, I don't. And you couldn't if you tried. <laughs> Another knight hovered down, less decorated and with a less shapely twelve-legged, eagle-winged, dark-red fantasy weasel.
1: Yeah, we could. We went and
0: got ourselves the fancy scepter that doesn't do anything. Quiet, you. The more decorated knight smacked the lesser knight on the helmet. You didn't need to know that. Sorry. Autosis gaped. The fancy scepter that doesn't do anything anything. But that's impossible. Mm, More impossible than you bedding lusty lumber nymphos and musky mushroom fledglings and sensual shelven wormlocks with that appalling hallway carpet bridging the gap to your bedroom. The decorated knight turned to his companions. Am I right, though? (laughs) They jeered at Atosis with laughter. And finger-pointing.
1: Shut up! There's nothing you can do, Artosis. As we
0: both know, the fancy scepter that doesn't do anything protects us from all magical attacks. And that includes anything from your mystical, winged lizard. The knight gestured to Rutherford, who whimpered, not unlike a non-fantasy dog. The Doom Puppet chimed in.
1: We told you, Artosis, you need us!
0: Artosis looked, not at the puppet, but at the comedy-masked woman. Is it absolutely necessary to talk to me with that thing? The woman shrugged.
1: Ready the scepter!
0: (laughs) The decorated knight waved to his companions as they produced a large golden sarcophagus. You're going to die and stuff, uh, quiet you. The decorated knight smacked the lesser knight's head again, this time loosening some of the wispy plumage atop his helmet. The tragedy-masked man produced his twisted dagger again.
1: Not so fast, you do fees do
0: What? Do you mean, do fi? The tragedy-masked man tossed his dagger at the decorated knight, walloping him in the head. It bounced from his head to the lesser knights, and from his head to an even lesser knight, and from his head to about the same amount of lesser knight. And this continued with gaining momentum until all of the knights were perpetually experiencing a head walloping from the bouncing dagger in what was undoubtedly A painful and possibly concussive fantasy feedback loop.
1: Quick, let's get out of here. That undoubtedly painful and possibly concussive fantasy feedback loop can't last forever.
0: Altosus' doom puppet was right. Everyone knew that a never-ending fantasy feedback loop was destined to end sooner or later. Autosis waved his right hand in a dramatic, fantastical, magical way that nearly pulled a muscle, unchaining Rutherford from his cave. Rutherford thundered forth in a lizard-like manner, growling at the knights in their undoubtedly painful and possibly concussive fantasy feedback loop. All right, Ruthie, pull us up. Rutherford opened his jaws and wrapped Autosis and the masked duo in his sticky tongue. Autosis was a lot more comfortable than the duo appeared to be, as Rutherford lifted them into the air and onto his scaly back. After Autosis got his bearings and the duo started preparing to get their bearings, Autosis grasped a smooth nub near Rutherford's shoulders and kicked his left foot into the winged lizard's side. Rutherford sprang from the ground and flapped his enormous wings, With a near-fantasy sonic boom, they shot into the air, buffeting the gang of knights, breaking their undoubtedly painful and possibly concussive fantasy feedback loop, and sending them and their twelve-legged eagle-winged dark red fantasy weasels into a spray of chaos. The knight's golden sarcophagus toppled out of the sky and crashed into the ground, cracking the earth open and lodging itself into that crack at an angle. Autosis watched from Rutherford's back as the world below him grew smaller and smaller. Thick clouds gradually pulled his focus away from the ground, and he turned his eyes to the purple shine of the horizon. He heard a chattering from behind. With a glance, Atosis could see that the duo was unprepared for the chilling winds of the night sky. He produced a small glass decanter From a pocket within his robe of the fur of the unfathomable fantastic beast that doesn't exist And passed it to the comedy woman who clasped it with her Doom puppet What's this? asked Doom Some sort of magical potion? Autosis chuckled Something like that (laughs) The duo each took a strong swig and immediately rasped and hacked it was a high proof grain alcohol. Autosis, you're kind of a jerk, whined the tragedy masked man. Well, you're kind of stupid. Both of you are.
1: Both of us? What about me?
0: asked the doomed puppet. Oh, stop it. What am I supposed to call you to? My inner monologue knows that I'm Autosis, but honestly, it has no idea what to call you. The comedy-masked woman set down her puppet for a moment. Wait, are, are you saying you refer to yourself in the third person in your inner monologues? Autosis became slightly self-conscious of his self-consciousness. Is that uncommon? The duo looked at each other and gave a hearty laugh. Autosis could swear he even heard the doom puppet laughing in a third voice. Will you just tell me your names? What have you been calling me, Atosis, in your magical third-person brain? Asked the tragedy-masked man. The doom puppet answered.
1: Well, I know. I'm the extremely, almost disturbingly attractive hand puppet. Am I right, Atosus?
0: Otosis mm-hmm. was not amused. The comedy-masked woman leaned over to the tragedy-masked man. The Doom Puppet joined in. What do you think he's thinking now? I don't know. Maybe something like, Artosis was not amused. They chortled derisively. Artosis remained silent, with a heavy scowl weighing down his face.
1: Hey, Artosis, hey. We're just messing with you. No need to mash yourself into potatoes. We just thought it was kind of funny that instead of asking our names, you told us about your weird inner monologue,
0: sympathized the Doom puppet. Autosis, I'm comedy, introduced the man with the tragedy mask. I'm tragedy, added the woman with the comedy mask.
1: And I'm (laughs) Doom.
0: Autosis, at first satisfied, turned around again, befuddled. Wait a second. You, he pointed to Comedy, the man with the tragedy mask. Our comedy. You're wearing a sad mask in your comedy. They always say the funniest people are the ones crying inside. (laughs) Comedy replied with a light sob. Autosis turned to tragedy. And your tragedy... Why is your mask smiling? Doom responded, cupping a hand over its mouth, as if to avoid being heard by its puppeteer.
1: She's a little crazy.
0: Autosis sat in disbelief for a moment before looking down and realizing they'd reached their destination. All right, Ruthie, bring us down. Rutherford gave a loud, lizardly bellow and began his descent. Tragedy and comedy braced each other, afraid again. Where are we going? We can't face those knights and their twelve-legged, eagle-winged, dark-red fantasy weasels alone. But I know someone who owes me a favor. Rutherford slowed his declination and spiraled downward around an imposing castle made of glow-in-the-dark fantasy limestone and plated in an immovable fantasy gemstone's Every inch of it was covered in fantasy grotesques that lived up to their name, and then some. To get to the front door of the castle would have normally been a trial. First, there was a moat, guarded by ghastly, three-headed fantasy hippopotamuses. Or was it hippopotami? Hippopotamese? Next, there was a thick labyrinth, Full of deadly mercury human trapped plants. Next, there was another moat. And then there was a theater that was eternally performing the opening scene of West Side Story. And then there was another moat that was filled with lava. Luckily, Otosis had a fantasy pass that allowed him to pass by all this and park Rutherford by the front door. The front door was guarded by two of the ugliest creatures known to fantasy mankind. They were twice as tall as a normal fantasy human. They were a sickly green brown and absurdly plump. Their odor was that of a burlap sack filled with flatulent dogs. They had barely a figment of hair on their head, yet were covered in dandruff indiscriminately. Their jowls hung low and their earlobes hung lower. They were called... Elves. Ugh, disgusting creatures. Autosis's scowl, which was at this point near permanently affixed to his face, grew three sizes. "'Hey now, don't be a meaning," whined Comedy. They trudged through the marshy ground up to the imposing figures and odors of the elves.
1: Halt! Who art thou?
0: grumbled an elf. Autosis rolled his eyes for the 18th time that night and produced his fantasy pass. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize. The elves stepped aside. Autosis approached the door, and grasped its handle, which was gilded and shaped like a fantasy twelve-headed, dog-legged peacock. Knock, knock, knock. Autosis waited for what he felt was a little too long. He put his ear to the door and could hear the muffled sounds of partying and debauchery. Knock, knock, knock. This time there was muttering and commotion from the other side, another moment the length of an exceptionally short, 10 livered eight-winged, beetle-shelled fantasy centipede, and the door cracked open. Through the crack, Autosis could see the head of his old colleague, Forsyth. He was a man, but of course he had a humongous lion's head instead of a human one, and even with the thick mustache hanging over his lips, had Autosis not met Forsyth before, he may have been inclined to think a lion with a mustache had just answered the door. What? Forsythe growled, before recognizing his old friend. (coughs) Oh, God. Oh, sorry. One second. Autosis fiddled with his hands, waiting for the length of about seven exceptionally short, ten-livered, eight-winged, beetle-shelled fantasy centipedes before Forsythe opened the door again this time enough to see his human body covered in a robe of the fur of the extremely fathomable, non-fantastical beast that most definitely exists. <gasps> oh, it's been too long, Forsyth roared with joy. Say, is that robe made from the fur of the unfathomable, fantastic beast that doesn't exist? Oh, you know it. Is that a robe made of the fur of the extremely fathomable, non-fantastical beast that most definitely exists? The very same. What brings you to the fantasy tin story giraffe neck of these woods? I fantasy hate to say it, but I think it's time for me to fantasy monetary expend that fantasy favor you owe me. There's a rogue band of knights after my head. Autosis leaned in to a whisper for the last bit. And they've got the fancy scepter that doesn't do anything. Forsythe's eyes grew wide as sentient fantasy plates. His jovial fantasy demeanor grew grim and fantasy distraught. The fancy scepter that doesn't do anything. I shudder to think at what that'll allow them to do. We must do Anything to stop them from doing anything with the fancy scepter that doesn't do anything. Believe me, I know. Forsythe turned back to the inside of his castle and shouted, "'Sorry, everyone. I'll be out for a moment.' Sad sighs echoed loudly from inside the castle. Forsythe stepped outside and shut the door. "'Who are your friends?' Forsythe looked at tragedy and comedy. That's tragedy, and that's comedy. They saved my life. I think. What about them? Forsythe pointed at Doom. That's a puppet, Forsythe.
1: No, I'm Doom.
0: Forsythe went forward to shake a tiny hand dangling off the puppet. Pleased to meet you, Autosis Shook his head. This is ridiculous. No need to be rude, Autosis. Is it any more ridiculous than your bedding lusty lumber nymphos and musky mushroom fledglings and sensual shelvin wormlocks in that appalling hallway carpet, bridging the gap to your bedroom? Stop that! Why does everybody know about and hate my carpet? I like it! People talk, Autosis. People talk. For twenty exceptionally short, ten livered, eight winged, beetle shelled fantasy centipedes, Forsyth, Autosis, Tragedy, Comedy, and Doom stood there, staring off in different directions, waiting for somebody else to say something. Then, Homity noticed what looked like large teeth growing quickly out of the ground. Before he could say anything, the mouth of a large fish had grown up around the party. Only half an exceptionally short, ten-livered, eight-winged, beetle-shelled fantasy centipede later, that same large fish mouth had closed its jaws, surrounding everything in darkness. That concludes our adventure for today. Thank you for taking this journey through the crepuscular light adjacency. Remember, listen closely and you just might not learn anything at all. Hey everybody, it's Luke again. I'm glad you made it out of the crepuscular light adjacency. That place is pretty intense. If you really enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening to it with so that you don't miss any of the juicy new episodes. And if you really, really, really like this podcast and you feel inclined to donate more than the time you already have to it, please consider going to anchor.fm/crepuscular Slash support. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash crepuscular slash support. If you're having trouble spelling crepuscular, like I have, it's C R E P U S C U L A anchor.fm slash crepuscular slash support. Check it out. All right. Thank you for that. One more thing. I would also like to consider submitting some shorter episodes, maybe 10, 15 minutes, uh, just every couple of weeks or something like that, based on prompts from people listening to this. So if you have just been listening to the crepuscular light adjacency and just start feeling really adjacent and really crepuscular and you just want to get into it, send me a one to two sentence prompt and I'll see what I can get together. If if you want to do that, send it to crepuscular light adjacency at gmail.com. I'll have that typed in the podcast description. And yeah, that's it. Uh, Thanks for still being here. I really appreciate it. Talk to you again next episode. Stay crepuscular.